0: the wave How's it going, Matt? Great, Jonathan. How are you? Good to another episode of the Agony of Defeat podcast. I'm Jonathan Weiler. I'm a professor of global studies at UNC Chapel Hill.
1: And I'm Matt Andrews. I teach in the Department of History here at UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, and Matt, you have been showered with accolades recently. I know. I'm for, blowing
0: up. You're blowing up. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everything but money. Matt 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 is a celebrated, justly celebrated professor on this campus, teaching courses on history of the Olympics, history of baseball, race and basketball.
1: Yeah, the well, uh, the, the the online arm of the university gazette did a, a, a nice piece on some teaching awards that I won, yeah. and um, I don't know if you read. I was in the Daily Tar Heel today talking saw, about my it. my baseball I saw it. Your class. Your partner
0: Lisa is very good. She is a good publicist. Blasting on. <laughs> un- Media. Oh, yeah, I don't like doing that, as you know. Yes, I, I don't yes. like well, promoting myself it's, it's, on social media. It's good media. that somebody's doing it for you. Yeah, so thank you. So, yes, congratulations. Appreciate it. So, uh, a, a bit of housekeeping before we get into today's topic. We we recorded an episode a few weeks ago with Victoria Jackson. The great
1: Victoria the Jackson. The great Victoria
0: Jackson, the awesome. She's a former UN, a Tar Heel, UNC track athlete. Um who went on to become a Pac-12 champion as a graduate student in Arizona State and is now a professor of sport history and history of collegiate athletics at Arizona State. And we had her on a few weeks ago to talk about the California bill um, that will bar schools from preventing athletes from making money off their names, images, and likenesses that sound file, unfortunately, got corrupted. Right. Uh, so we are definitely going to plead and beg with her to come back on so that we can discuss all of those issues that it, we hope in the near future.
1: Yeah, and I, I think maybe in some ways it's it's fine because we said over and over and over, at least I did, there is no way the NCAA will will change their minds on this issue. And then 10 days later, they at least, well, who knows, the, the devil's in the details, but they said they changed their mind on, on the issue. Right. Um, so I don't have to come off, well, you know. Know, looking stupid.
0: They're, they're they're clearly they're clearly under pressure.
1: I've had a few people uh, text me or email me over the last few weeks and saying, you know what you need more of in your podcast, Victoria Jackson. <laughs> so I and, think, and we agree. <laughs> we agree.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So the main topic today that uh, we want to talk about uh, is the MBA in China, and of course the tweet heard around the world by the Houston Rockets general manager a few weeks ago about Hong Kong protesters. We're going to get into all of that and sort of tell the backstory of the relationship of the NBA with China and sports business in China more broadly. So we're, we're going to do that in a couple of minutes. We like to start every episode of AOD, however, with a rant, but today I'm going to do an anti-rant, Matt.
1: Okay. Um, an I just, anti-rant. An anti-rant. Okay. what I don't know what the. Well, I don't know. Let's yeah. let's hear what you have to say. And I,
0: I'm going to say nice things about somebody.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. good. Yeah.
0: So the person I'm going to say nice things about is Bill Russell. Oh, sure. Yeah, Bill Russell, who in 1996 was voted the greatest player in NBA history. Eleven time NBA champion uh, with the Boston Celtics,
1: Um, and what I want to... Bill Russell is the basketball's ultimate winner. Ultimate winner, Yeah, yes. two NCAA titles at, at USF. Basically won it every year in the pros. Right,
0: 11 out of 13, I think. Yeah, he's, in a, including two as a head coach.
1: That's right, at yeah. The, at the end of he's his He's the first career. African-American head coach, um, and he's the guy who would do all of the little things, and a very outspoken black activist. One yes. of the, one of the um, key figures in the revolt of the black athletes. A-
0: and to that point, and this is what I want to give him praise for. So Bill Russell was elected to the... To the Basketball Hall of Fame in 1975, and he refused to attend the induction.
1: Yeah, almost a boycott, right?
0: Almost a boycott. Uh he tweeted within the last couple of weeks that he has now, forty-four years later, accepted his Hall of Fame ring. Right. And the reason he said he's accepted his Hall of Fame ring is that he had he had long felt that he did not deserve to be the first black player inducted into the Hall of Fame. That Chuck Cooper, for example, who right. was the first ever African American drafted by an NBA team. Right, by
1: the- Boston Celtics in 1950
0: right that he and people like him right Deserve that honor before Bill Russell. In September, the Basketball Hall of Fame inducted Chuck Cooper. Right, he's in. And he is now in. And so Bill Russell in what was a private ceremony, and there were Ann Meyer, the great women's player. Yeah, uh, was in, was present. So was Bill Walton. Alonzo Mourning uh, was there. Alonzo Mourning was there. So in a small private ceremony, Bill Russell accepted his ring, and I just. Want to praise and admire the principle yeah. that has guided his entire public life. Yeah, uh, going back now, well over half a century.
1: Here, here. Yeah, and I think that's an important point. Well over half a century, we think about uh, black athletes finding their voice in 1968 and speaking out against racial injustice uh, which Bill Russell was doing in 1968 but he was doing it five, six, seven years earlier one of the things that I think we forget about Bill Russell is he was actually being critical of white America and critical of racism in the United States before Ali was you know when when Ali was speaking out in the early 1960s and he was boastful in the early 1960s but he wasn't saying Anything of political consequence uh, in 1963, when Bill Russell was giving interviews to Sports Illustrated, saying, "I don't play for white people. I don't play for white Boston because there's so much racism in Boston." Uh,
0: and, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Bill Russell go visit civil rights activists in the South uh, in '63 and '64? I can't remember.
1: I remember. I know no. Jackie Robinson and Floyd Patterson did. I do know yeah. that that Bill Russell uh, marched in the the March on Washington in 1963. Okay, so maybe that's what I'm. Like, he he you know. was asked to be on the on the podium, uh, so when King gave his famous speech, people could see Bill Russell. And this is actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because this goes exactly in line with, with what he just did. He said, "There are people who deserve that honor more than I do. I'll sit in the first few rows, but you know, with my back to the camera, other people believe uh, have, deserve that position of honor."
0: So, so this this is certainly, arguably, the greatest player of all time.
1: Mm-hmm. You Demo- no, could argue about it, but
0: yeah, De- yeah, but about demonstrating a degree of humility that that is really actually quite
1: astonishing. I think that's that's absolutely right. So I'm okay. Okay, I'm so. I'm fine with your anti rant.
0: Anti rant over yeah, for the okay. Week. Very yeah. good. Okay, so we wanted the the main topic today, as 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 we've already mentioned, uh, is the NBA in China, uh, prompted by this recent controversy over a Daryl More tweet. So Matt, let's start with you want to give us a little bit of context for the Hong Kong protests. Sure, um, and how they set all of this in motion.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting story. Look, I'm not a scholar of of China or, or Hong Kong but I've been following this story the last well boy it's almost 2 years now and it's a it's a it's a fascinating story uh, in February of last year a young couple so in February of 2018 a young couple from Hong Kong they took a trip to Taiwan and when they're in Taiwan and this is an important point, they bought a suitcase and they returned to their hotel and a security camera caught them both going into their hotel with the suitcase. And that's the last anyone ever saw of this young woman, uh, this this 20 year old woman alive. Uh, the next day, her boyfriend was captured coming out of the hotel room, lugging the suitcase. Uh, he returned to to Hong Kong later that evening. He did not have the suitcase with him. And it turns out a month later, they figured it out. Uh, he murdered his girlfriend uh, uh, gruesomely, uh, stuffed her in the suitcase, and then discarded her body in a in a, in a park. Uh, the family of the young woman murdered they want her boyfriend, her 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 murderer, to be transferred to Taiwan to stand trial. But there's no mechanism for extradition between Hong Kong and. Taiwan. So Hong Kong and Taiwan and China, they're all related to each other, but they all have these they have a complicated past with complicated rules of sovereignty. So the boyfriend could not be legally extradited. So all of this is to say um, the Hong Kong authorities, they used Taiwan's request for this this guy to be extradited to say, let's change our rules so people can be extradited. And um, when they proposed these new rules. They also said, and people should be able to be extradited into China. And this really freaked people in Hong Kong out. They don't want the Chinese authorities be coming into Hong Kong and just grabbing people off the streets, which apparently they have done. Anti-Chinese activists have disappeared into Chinese jails. So they started push them back against this. The Hong Kong government pushed back. They said, no, we're going to do this. And so the protesters, they continued to push back. They went even further. Basically, they decided, let's go for the whole enchilada here. Let's push for democratic reforms. Let's push for more transparency. They started marching in the streets. They started protesting. There's been violence. There's been counter violence. And here we are 18 months later, and they're fighting for, well, like Daryl Morey said, they're fighting for freedom in Hong Kong.
0: And so uh, it was on October 4th. October 4th of
1: 2019. 19, so
0: just, yep. Uh, the NBA had already scheduled a series of exhibition games in China. One of the teams that was going to be playing in China was the Houston Rockets. Right. Daryl Morey is the GM for the Houston Rockets. And I think they were actually in Hong Kong itself.
1: They may have been, or they may have been in the air as they were going. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. So
0: they, so Daryl Morey
1: posted an image. Yeah, an image on—he tweeted an image that had six words, fight for freedom, or maybe this is seven. I think it's seven, (laughs) Stand with Hong Kong. Yeah, Yeah.
0: fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong.
1: Yeah. Um, Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, so he it did not sound good to the Chinese government. Uh, it did
0: not. So the reaction was swift and furious. Why was it swift uh, and furious? And very quickly, Morey deleted the tweet. Uh, under pressure, I assume, or maybe he
1: just feared for his job.
0: Yeah, for, uh, right. And then, and in fact, issued an apology. The,
1: the owners of the uh, the owner of the Rocket immediately came out and said, Daryl Morey does not speak for the Houston Rockets, which I assume. To mean that the Houston Rockets do not stand for freedom, well, in Hong uh, Kong,
0: the the Rockets also said, "We are not a political organization." Okay, which I mean, in some ways, that's fascinating. When the purpose of this visit was to promote MBA business in China, right? And there's really no way for that not to be a politically fraught.
1: Endeavor. Well, and not just right? to promote the NBA in China. It's not just a business trip. If you listen to, to Adam Silver, he's talking about this. This is politics. This is about bettering the political relationship between the United States and and China? Building bridges. Building bridges. Political bridges. Yeah.
0: Okay. So Daryl Morey uh, posts that image with those words. The reaction is swift and furious. There are immediate apologies. They are not satisfactory from the perspective of the Chinese government. That's right. There are a number of games that were supposed to be broadcast of these preseason exhibition games. They're supposed to be broadcast on Chinese television. They immediately canceled all those broadcasts, right? Uh, the
1: Chinese consulate in Houston. They denounced Maury's tweets. They said that it was. They were deeply shocked by his erroneous comments. Yes, I'm, I'm not sure what the what was. Er- erroneous about it in any way, shape, or form. He was just saying, I believe we should stand with China. But, right. assume excuse me, with Hong
0: Kong. And then Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, uh, began quite furiously himself talking out of both sides of his mouth, on the one hand, defending the right to free speech, and on the other hand, assuring China that the NBA was a, 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 a willing and eager partner with the Chinese government. Yeah. Respected that they had a different view of things. We do not
1: stand with Daryl Morey is what Adam Silver has basically said. And we can get into some of his specific quotes if we want.
0: Right. So, um... (sighs) And then, I mean, a, a, a sort of added dimension to all this, uh, LeBron James himself uh, came out a few days later. Well, first, James Harden said,
1: I love China. Yes. That was his response. Right. He just wanted people to know that he loves <laughs> China. All right, right. Thank you, James.
0: And there's plenty about China to love. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, we can I'm, all agree. I'm sure.
1: I'm um, sure there is. Yeah.
0: And then LeBron James, of course, was uh, – I mean – It was hounded for a quote.
1: It was inevitable that the press would put microphones in front of LeBron James, who's outspoken on many issues here in the United States. He speaks about race in the United States. He is an an American citizen. He's African-American.
0: He he tweeted about the president of the United States, you bum.
1: You bum, right. So he's been very comfortable. Right, and he has been told to shut up by the right, shut up and dribble, and he has... asserted his right to, to be yes. heard. Yes. So in this case,
0: when he was asked about Maury's tweet, he essentially said, well, he needs to better educate himself on the issue. He said it was an
1: irresponsible comment.
0: Yeah. And yeah. that he should have thought thought more about it before he said what he said.
1: And then he had to backpedal a little bit. There was a swift reaction from from people, and he said, well, I wasn't necessarily talking about uh, exactly what he was... He Maury was, was saying. I was just saying that he needed to, to think about this more because NBA players were on their way to China. right? And I, mean, I don't know if this is exactly what he, what he really meant, but NBA players were on their way to China and he needed to be thinking about how his comments would affect their lives. Right. That
0: put them in an uncomfortable position. Right. And, and I think that this, this gets us into the heart of the topic because one of the things people speculated about why James took the position he did is that James himself has apparently very significant business interests in China. Sure. For example, he apparently wants to, or it's in the works that he's going to make Space Jam 2, a follow-up to the incredibly popular Michael Jordan movie from the mid-1990s. China is becoming a massive movie market, um, and so cutting himself off from that market by antagonizing the Chinese government was... Not in
1: his business interest. Uh, That's... I was going to say that's the cynical way of thinking about it. Maybe that's the right way of thinking right. about it. Right. And, and of course,
0: the league more generally backpedaled as furiously as it does because the league has massive interests in China. Right?
1: Massive interests, yeah, right. which I want to get to. Let me Can I yeah. say one more thing yeah. about yeah, yeah, yeah. LeBron? Yeah. Um, you know, the, there was a way in which it was really easy to be critical of, of what LeBron said. Um, but I think the reaction coming from Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, they just pounced. They just, yes. uh, they they smelled blood. And it wasn't just LeBron James, it was Greg Popovich, it was Steve Kerr uh, who really kind of didn't say much. He, he refused to go as far as um, uh, Daryl Morey had. And, you know, these are guys who have been outspoken about racial injustice in the United States. And the right just I mean, you know, they were they were very strategic here. They they pounced on him, but their their general argument they've been saying for the last few years, shut up and dribble, and now they're saying, "No, speak up. We want to hear what you have to say." So it it was just an incredibly disingenuous reaction. Uh, and then more than that, they yeah. just tried to undo everything that LeBron James had ever said. This is proof that LeBron James right. doesn't know what he's talking about and nobody should listen to
0: him. Well, James. and in the case of Rubio and Cruz in this context, not only in this context, but definitely in this context to your Point Matt, th- these were just these were bad faith
1: attacks. I, I think that's absolutely yeah. really right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, but we want to we want to back up and 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 talk a little bit of in historical terms about the relationship between China and the NBA, uh, the cultivation of China as a sports market. Yeah over many years now, especially since China has, in the last two decades in particular, become by some measures the largest economy in the world, and therefore obviously an incredibly appealing uh, market for foreign Business interests, Pe-
1: people who study this. The yeah, they say that the MBA basically has a four billion dollar deal with with China. They love basketball. But uh, by, by
0: some estimates, six hundred million Chinese streamed MBA content in. 20, last year, in the last
1: season, which is twice as many people streamed that content in the United States. It's twice
0: as many people as live in the United States. Yeah, right? okay, fair enough. So, yeah. So this is this is a, this is a huge market for them, and so in some ways, it's not complicated or hard to understand why the NBA reacted the way it did. But we're interested in sort of thinking about where this where this all started, sure, and and, and, and how it's evolved.
1: Are we? Okay, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's. Yeah. Talk about this. Yeah.
0: So, you, well, for starters, um, you wanted to say something, Matt, about uh, the IOC and
1: China. Yeah. So, when I was watching. Adam Silver and the NBA brass sort of twist in the wind when all this this happened. It made me think about the relationship between the International Olympic Committee and, and China. Um, the IOC awarded China. So you look at the International Olympic Committee like the NBA. They are they're a, a global multinational corporation basically Um, and the IOC awarded China the 2008 Summer Olympic Games they were in Beijing Um, and when they did this they they trotted out that line that you know Look, it was easy to understand why the IOC would do this because of the immensity of the Chinese market, but they were making the argument that this was about politics. They, they explicitly said uh, bringing the Olympic games to China will lead to more freedom and openness and democracy in in, in China. That's what Jacques Rogue, the head of the IOC then said when the games were awarded to, to China. Um, I don't know if they really believed that would happen. I, I think they actually did believe that the IOC thinks that, that the Olympics can can radically transform countries for the for the better. Um, that's not what happened in China in 2008. Amnesty International has studied this closely and they've said that if anything, you know, civil liberties were repressed in, in, in China. It was impossible, uh, utterly impossible to speak out against the, the Chinese government. China actually created these little protest zones, these, these penned cages where people could apply for, for permits to protest the Chinese government during the games. 72 People, according to Amnesty International, applied for these permits. All seventy-two uh, applications were turned down, uh, and seventy-two people were promptly arrested. Uh, yeah, you, you, you laugh because what else are you supposed to do in this situation? That's, um, uh,
0: seventy-two for seventy-two is pretty much Steph Curry's free throw
1: percentage. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly so, right. Yeah. So you know th- this this notion that that sports can be used to to transform, but maybe it can be used to transform places. But come on, not not China. China is too big, too bad, too powerful. And look, the IOC is going back. You know, even after this, they're going back to, to China in 2022, because the only the only countries in some ways willing to host Olympic Games anymore are authoritarian
0: regimes. So, so Matt, to, to back up for a minute, uh, I'm re, I remember that in the 1990s, in the United States, when Bill Clinton was president, there was a it, there was a, a debate about whether to grant China most favored nation trading status. Okay. And the argument was that uh, from those who, were, who favored granting that status, and that included President Clinton, that this is how you encourage democracy, by opening up markets, right. by creating a larger middle class, you create the social and economic By giving conditions. them the Olympic
1: Games. It's the same yeah. argument. Yeah. So, right. so,
0: so, so this is an old argument right. about how you induce authoritarian regimes to transform Form themselves um, and so whether whether it's Bill Clinton or Jacques Rogie, mm-hmm. Jacques Rogi who are making these arguments, whether they believe it, or whether it's self-serving, right? Hard to say. I think it's both. It, it, uh, almost yeah. certainly both. Yeah. But but it is worth noting that this this is part of a very sort of old set of arguments about the relationship between capitalism and freedom, and the MBA and sports. You know, are, are clearly a, a high-profile subset of that larger that larger argument. Right.
1: Right. Well, and you think about what the NBA, I mean, the NBA has this reputation as being the woke league. Yeah. Um, Adam Silver loves being thought of as the woke league. He says that's yes because we let our players speak. You know, we would let Colin Kaepernick beat Colin Kaepernick in, in in the NBA. But LeBron James doesn't feel like he has to do that because he has a, has a mouthpiece. And the NBA has taken political positions in the past. Let's not forget, and we talked about this on an earlier podcast, the NBA pulled out of the All-Star game in Charlotte because of this state's um, anti-transgender gender bathroom bill but yes. no we will not go to north carolina because you have this bathroom law but we will go to china despite x and y and z and the the list goes on it, it just looks like naked hypocrisy coming from from the NBA.
0: well well and and speaking of adam silver i mean really his, his first major act as commissioner Five years ago, after he took over from David Stern, was in relation to Donald Sterling. We've talked about this a little bit before too. That Donald Sterling, the former Clippers owner, was caught on tape um, making these, you know, blatantly offensive and racist remarks. They were released by TMZ, and the players, including Clippers players, right before the start of the playoffs, had talked seriously about boycotting. Boycotting, yeah. The game, the yeah. the beginning of the playoffs, and Silver moved very swiftly, essentially to remove Sterling from his ownership of an NBA team,
1: and, and then and, he basically had him declared incompetent in court with the, with the help of his wife, and f- which led to the forced sale of the Clippers. I mean, right. so yeah, they moved with with uh, deliberate speed, right. quick, r- quick r- speed, r- and they r- got rid of him.
0: So his so his founding act, yes, is, is woke, is woke, and to have yeah. branded himself as a sort of proponent of social justice and and I I don't mean that he was insincere in that I don't think he was although obviously there was a business reason to yeah, support and, the players. And had the because, players
1: not revolted, I don't think he would have done this. No, hey, well, he, I mean, LeBron not. James said, this guy has got to go. And when LeBron James says that, and you're Adam Silver, that means that right. guy has got to go.
0: But, but it's a critical part of Silver's identity. Yes, absolutely. Which, which I think makes him more vulnerable to criticisms now. When oh, he, I see.
1: Yeah. When he sort of, uh, well, when he... He positioned himself through through his actions uh, yes, as the. Yes. I was going to say woke again. I really feel silly saying saying woke. <laughs> I just really do feel like I'm too old. Yeah, to, to, but, but to
0: say he woke. but but he he certainly insofar as he has been, Weasley yeah. about the China issue.
1: Well, to that point, right? I mean, imagine the NFL had a presence in in China. Yeah. oh I this would be just like the NFL to, to say things like this I, I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even condemn the NFL for their stance because I would say well that's who the NFL right. is we all know that uh, we 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 wanted to believe I think that the NBA had some serious principles and it wasn't just even you know uh, letting Daryl Morey be Daryl Morey I mean the, the NBA just went after him and and, and and ridiculed him he still has his job and Adam Silver is very clear about that no he's not going to lose his job job. Um, you know, had Jerry Jones, his GM, uh, said something like that, and Jerry Jones had a lucrative contract in China, which I'm sure he does somehow, uh, that guy would would be gone. Um, Jerry Jones being the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. That's how the NFL rolls. We didn't real necessarily realize that's how the NBA rolls. But of course, that's how they roll. They're a business. And,
0: and, and, and to that point, uh, somebody said shortly after the the Mori quote became so controversial uh, that the, the important lesson here is that woke capitalism
1: is still capitalism. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah. Maybe that's a good place to end. I yeah. don't know.
0: Okay, so um, I guess we'll stop there then. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, drop the mic, Jonathan. Drop. That's right.
0: So. Um, Matt, this was fun. We're we're gonna we're gonna do this again soon. Very soon. Uh, we now have a great team in place. We do. We have. Uh, we've, uh, got, we've got co-producers. We've got. We've got co-producers. We have Olivia
1: and Trey in the in in the studio and, with us today. And, and, so thanks and, to both and, of them. And
0: Bree will be supporting our operations as well. Uh, as if, they know, we literally could
1: not turn the machine on without we them.
0: We <laughs> really couldn't. Uh, so you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. We encourage. You to share and like uh, and do all those things that we need in order for our podcast to be more widely heard. And we will see you again soon.